Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. So I've, uh, I've got the, the men's thesaurus organised for us this morning. So when a man says it would take too long to explain... What he really means by that is I have no idea how it works. When a man says, take a break, honey, you're working too hard, he really means I can't hear the game over the vacuum cleaner. When a man says, that's interesting, dear, what he means is, are you still talking? When a man says, it's a guy thing, he means that there is no rational thought pattern connected with this and you have no chance at all of making it logical. When a man says, can I help with dinner, he means, why isn't it ready? Yes, yet. When a man says, "Uh uh-huh, sure, honey, or yes, dear, it means absolutely nothing. It's just a conditioned response. (laughs) When a man says that he knows, uh, you know how bad my memory is, what he means is, I can remember the theme song to Hogan's Heroes, the phone number of the first girl I ever kissed, and the vehicle identification numbers of every car I've ever owned, but yes, I forgot your birthday. When a man says, oh, don't fuss, I just cut myself, it's no big deal, what he means is I've probably severed a limb, but I will bleed to death before I admit I'm hurt, so get over here and help me. When a man says, and this is true, when a man says I can't find it, he means it didn't fall into my outstretched hand, so I'm completely clueless. (laughs) When a man says, I heard you, He means, I haven't the foggiest clue what you said, and I'm hoping desperately that I can fake it well enough so that you will not spend the next three days yelling at me. When a man says, you know, I could never love anyone else, he really means, I'm so used to the way you yell at me, I realise it could be worse. When a man says, you look terrific, what he really means is, oh, please don't try on one more outfit, we're late and I'm starving. When a man says, I'm not lost, I know exactly where we are, It really means no one will ever see us alive again. When a man says, I don't think I could go today, I can go today, he means shopping is not a sport, and no, I'm never going to think of it that way. When a man says, I don't remember saying that, what we really mean is anything I may have said six six months ago is inadmissible in an argument. In fact, all past comments become null and void after seven days. When a man says, that's not what I meant, What he really means is if something can be interpreted two ways, and one of those ways make you sad or angry, I meant the other way. If your husband says, ladies, you need to listen to this one, what colour is this? He means all men only see 16 colours, like Windows default setting. Peach, for example, is a fruit, not a colour. Pumpkin is also a fruit, and I have no idea what torp is. When it, it comes to Father's Day... To me, it seems like there's a bit of of an anomaly. When we celebrate Mother's Day, we we talk about how wonderful mothers are, how caring and kind and compassionate they are, all the wonderful things that mothers do for us. Yet somehow on Father's Day, it's just a little bit different. It seems like there's this unwritten rule that fathers just aren't quite as good as mothers. I think if if we were to take a pull in, in this room this morning, we would find that a, a reasonable percentage of us have a, a lot of reasons that we could be critical of our fathers. I'm in that category. 
I could say a lot about my father, and in fact, I guess as this message goes on, I'll say a bit today. But one of the things that concerns me is we get caught in this trap of comparing our fathers to God. When we've had a, a, a bad father or have a bad father, and we bring all that dysfunction that, that can come along with that into the church, we have well-meaning Christians that say things like, you'll struggle to relate to God as father, you don't have a good relationship with your earthly father. Now, to some extent, there's some truth in that. You know, we, we can have uh, baggage, we can have misunderstandings, we can uh, interpret things differently, but I don't think that there is complete truth in that. In fact, I think that that line of thinking can be a little bit destructive. I, I myself have, have bought into those words and thought, oh, maybe I, I don't understand God as I should. And I certainly got a whole lot of revelations when I became a dad for the first time and, and the way I felt about my kids. And so I, I, I can still learn things about who God is as a father, but I don't think it takes into account the grace and the power of God to transform lives, to, to take our, our brokenness, to take the, the dysfunction or, or whatever it was with our father and actually change that around. I also don't think it takes into account that, that we actually have intuition. I, I may not have had a particularly good role model as a father, but I, I know what a, a, a good father would look like. I know the kind of father I want to be to my kids. I know what, what it, it looks like. I know what it feels like. I know when I make mistakes and I know when I get it right. And that's, I guess, the tension for me. Because surely, even without a great father, I can come to know God as my father. You know, one of the great uh, words in the Bible is the word Abba. And, and it, it can be loosely translated as father, but a more accurate uh, translation of that word Abba is actually daddy. God seeks to be our daddy. And, and I, I kind of love that language. That's something that my kids, when they're younger, would call me as they get older. I don't get that quite as much. I still get it from, from Eden. I, I love that. I love it when my, my kids call me daddy. That, that look in their eyes. I loved it this morning when I, I, I walked in. It being a Sunday morning, I get up ridiculously early and, and start prepping for, for church. And, and when my kids finally got up and, and Eden comes out with this big look of, of joy in her eyes and says, is it Father's Day? And I said, yes, it is. And she went straight back into her bedroom. Into, I'm in the middle of preaching my sermon to the toys. And, and in comes Eden and said, this is the first thing I want to give you. And, and just a happy Father's Day thing that she'd coloured in and you know, and then the eating breakfast with the family and then the kids are all busting a gut to give me the gifts that they've, they've given me. It, it's a special thing for a kid. And, and I, I, want, I want us to realise that that's the kind of relationship God wants with us. And whether you've had a, a, a good dad or, or a bad dad, I want you to understand that you can still know who God is as father. As a Presbyterian pastor from New York and, and he decided he needed to change the Lord's Prayer because most of the fathers of his congregation were cruel or absent and the person that reminded the most of a loving God wasn't a father but was their grandmother. So the prayer said, God in heaven who is like a loving grandmother. I don't know that I entirely agree with that but sometimes we can get role models and, and, and ideas of, of who 
God has messed up. You know, being a dad these days isn't easy. Being a mum isn't easy. Being a kid isn't easy. A teenager or married or single or middle-aged or senior, life isn't easy. And today I want to talk about a tough topic, I guess. It's why we need to forgive and celebrate our dads. And the, the principles, I guess, around this are a little bit broader than, than just forgiving fathers. You can apply these, these principles, I guess, to any relationship in your, in your world. But I, I think it's time for us to stop blaming uh, everything that, that happens in our lives or stuff that goes wrong on, on our fathers and learn what it is to forgive so that we can restore some relationships. You know, being, learning to forgive is a last, large part of what it means to be a Christian. Have you ever been to a funeral of an older man and you realise that uh, the kids are carrying some incredible hurt from something the father did or didn't do many, many years before? I've been to funerals where you can see that the nice things that the, the child is saying about their dad, just they don't believe it for a moment, but it's a funeral and we've got to say nice things. And, and it's incredibly sad hearing those things and, and seeing that Take, take place. And the thing to remember is this. He's human. He made mistakes. But every single one of us has made mistakes. And I, I don't know about you, but I want my kids to forgive me one day for some of the things that I'll get wrong in their lives. But for me to expect forgiveness from them, I've got to know what it is to forgive others. Because forgiveness, we're so fast to expect it, but we're so slow to give it. You know, some of the last words spoken by Jesus, he's on the cross. And he's just been tortured. And, and if you've ever seen any of, of the, the movies that depict that scene, it, it's just so gut-wrenching to, to watch it happening. And I'm always in tears. And there's a, a moment in the midst of this where Jesus, overcome with compassion, looks down at those responsible for putting him on the cross for the, the beating and the whipping and, and all the torture and, and pain that went along with this. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How about that for a moment? In the midst of that, Jesus is asking his dad to forgive these people that have wronged him. He had every right to, to not do that, yet he chose the path of forgiveness. In this case... I might say, forgive your father. He may or may not have known what he was doing, but forgive him anyway. And this is a really important topic for me, and I've talked about my dad a little bit here, but you know, my, my stepdad was in my life permanently from the age of four. In fact, him and, and uh, my, my real dad who passed away were uh, best friends. They were... Um, my stepdad was a groom's or best man at my dad's wedding, and he'd known mum and dad for, for a lot of years. By the time he, he uh, married my mum, I was uh, five at the time, and uh, he had already been married and divorced and already had a kid, and, and my relationship with him had, was never particularly good. There was a lot of conflict between us. We weren't kind of wired the same, and I always felt like... I, I never measured up, like I, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't, as a kid, the most uh, practical boy. I liked my sport, but I liked to read. And, and um, I, my younger brother, Carl, was 
very practical. He was a, he's a joiner by trade. And uh, him and dad seemed to get on really well. And then my half-brother, Brendan, who's stepdad's and mum's son, they, they, he seemed to get on really well with dad. But there always felt this conflict between him and me. One thing that, that I never knew for sure, although I suspected it was true, was that he actually loved me. I, I never uh, heard him ever say those three words. You know, there, there are some good times and there were some bad times, but knew, no one really kind of knew Dad like we did as kids. They, they would see this man that was, was fun and likeable, that, that seemed to uh, always light up a room when he walked into it. But they didn't see the monster that, that I knew lurked just be, below the surface. They didn't see the man that, that drank too much too often, that had an incredibly bad temper, that didn't treat mum as well as I wanted him to, that, that used to yell at us kids. And They didn't see the man that I grew up fearing. And I, I realise I'm not the only kid in history that has the reality of, of the person they live with being different to what is seen in public. And there's a really famous Bible character that, that we talk about a lot. He's kind of the shining light of, of the, the Jews, and that's uh, a man by the name of King David. Now, David was the guy, the shepherd that, that killed Goliath. He, he became king, and he, he was a singer. He was a poet. Uh, the book of Psalms, a large portion of that are songs that he wrote. Uh, David was described in the Bible as a man after God's own heart. Yet David made some, some mistakes. We know that, uh, if you know the story of David, he had uh, an affair with uh, a woman by the name of Bathsheba. He arranged for her husband to be killed so that he could marry this woman. And th there's a story of, of David's oldest son. And his name is Absalom, and I mentioned him uh, during worship uh, uh, recently. And Absalom... Um, <sighs> got really angry at David. You see, Absalom, uh, David had about 19 sons and, and, a, and a bunch of daughters. He had at least four wives and a number of concubines. We don't know how many kids he had altogether. It was just the way things were back then. But Absalom had a sister. And Absalom's half-brother fell in love with his half-sister. Things like that happened back then. Today it would be a bit, like, not good. But back then, and, and unfortunately for... for the story, and it's recorded in Second Kings, it tells the story of Absalom, chapters 12 to 18. The uh, half-brother uh, assaulted the, the, his Absalom's sister, and Absalom waited for David to do something about it. And David ignored it like it had never happened. And, and this resentment began to build inside Absalom. And Absalom waited and waited and then decided David wasn't going to do anything about it, but he wasn't going to let this go on, and, and he arranged uh, two years later for the, the, the half-brother that had assaulted his sister to be, to be murdered, and uh, his name was Amnon, Amnon, A-M-N-O-N, and, and after having had this kid put to death, uh, he, he then flees thinking, you know, surely David is going to respond now, I've killed one of his sons, surely he's going to come after me, I'm in trouble, and he took off, and the thing is, David did nothing. David ignored the, the situation and, and, and this great anger began to, to grow inside Absalom. Now he had every right to fault David for his negligence as a parent, as well as his failures as a king. 
So we, we hold David up as a shining light, and that's why he, he's one of my heroes, because he's, he's stuffed up and God still used him. Welcome to reality. We all sin, even the, the greatest. And so Absalom is, is in, in fear for his life, and this anger and resentment is growing, and he decides that, that he's going to overthrow David and, and seize control of the throne. Now, he was uh, the oldest of David's sons, so one day it was most likely he would become king. The, the Bible describes him as the most handsome man in, in the whole kingdom, and, and he had a lot going for him. But anger, bitterness, and resentment started taking hold of his life. Eventually, it, it, the, the rebellion led to his death. Now, I don't fault Absalom for his anger. In fact, I, I think his anger was pretty justified. But I do wish that Absalom had found it in his heart to forgive David. It ended up destroying him and bringing great suffering to the kingdom. And I, look, I've seen that scenario played out over and over we all have justifications for, for being angry at someone. We have to come to terms with what is happening. Or it, it's like rot in a tree. Now on the outside, the tree looks perfect. But there's this disease that's inside the tree and it slowly begins to spread. And the, and the tree can have beautiful green leaves and, and, and be growing, but there's the, the death is inside the tree already. The day will come where that tree will die and it would have been looking particularly healthy and then the rot that was inside it has taken it out and I think unforgiveness is like that rot in our lives the longer we hold on to that the more and more it begins to destroy us from the inside when I was at Bible college one of the things that that God did in my life was got me to a place of being able to forgive my father I was 23 when I, I headed to, to Bible college, so it had taken a long time. He'd been in, living with us permanently for 19 years till that moment, and, and I realised that I was carrying so much hurt and brokenness around with me, and, and God did a, a journey with me at Bible college, I remember, and I've shared this here before, but the, the day I, I, I rang Dad, I was in Australia, he was in New Zealand, and, and I said the words to him, I love you, and I realised I hadn't said it to him in a long, long, long time, and, and there was just silence on the other the end of the phone, and I'm thinking, this is your moment to tell me that you love me, and he said, all right then, goodbye, and hung up. Wasn't quite what I was expecting, but you know, I didn't ring him to, to um, forgive, for him to forgive me, or for him to say, I love you. I, I rang because I needed to express what was going on in me. Today, I can honestly say that, that I don't hold anything against my father. He died a few years ago, and, and, and I'm, you know, I'm sad for that loss. And, but I came to terms with, with what had happened in my world and learnt what it was to forgive him. And, and today I want to give you uh, just a, a few quick reasons why uh, we should forgive our father. Maybe in your life it's not your father, maybe it's, it's someone else, but... First thing is that he's human. And that means that he's a great deal short of perfect. Romans 3.23 says that we've all sinned, we've all come short of the glory of God, that, that, 
God, there's, there's a line that none of us reach. We're, we're never going to be good enough. We're never going to be able to, uh, to do enough to make things right with God. And that's the power of the gospel. We don't need to because Jesus died to make it right because we couldn't do it ourselves. That, that God holds us to an impossible standard but then makes the way for that standard to be surpassed through his son, Jesus Christ. Psalm 103 verse 14 reminds us that, that God knows who we are. It says he, knows our, he himself knows our frame and he is mindful that we are but dust. And here's the thing. Not only is your dad human, but you are too. That means two things. In some ways you like your dad and being Human means you need an extra dose of the grace of God. You need to learn what it is to forgive. Second thing is that your father is the product of a fallen world and, and flawed parents. It's, it's really easy for us to think of, of our father as choosing to become what he became. In my case, an angry man that, that was an alcoholic and uh, was not a particularly nice person to be around. And, and, and we, we look at those people that have wronged us and, or done something, whether it's your dad or someone else, and, and we look at that and, and, and we, we assume that, that they chose to be like they are the way they are. Now, we don't necessarily think those thoughts, but we re react as, as though that's true. And You know, it was an incredibly powerful day for me when I got insight into my father's journey. I, I remember... Um, he wouldn't tell me, but uh, mum sat me down and we had a conversation about my dad's childhood. And, and I learned that my dad was fostered out from a really young age. He went from house to house to house. No one really wanted him. Eventually he landed in a, a house with two other uh, foster kids who were adopted, but he was never asked by the parents that he was with to, for them to adopt him. And he turned 16 and said, look, I'm leaving. I'm going to go and make my own way in the world. And they, at that point, said, well, look, we'll adopt you if you want. And he said, no, it's too late. You've had many years to do that, and you, you didn't, so I'm not interested now. And I, I know that my dad got kicked out of a number of schools and uh, had, had no education and, and no qualifications. I, I know that he did life incredibly tough. To say that, that he did it hard, I reckon, was a, a bit of an understatement for my dad. Now, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't excuse the, the kind of life he lived. But I, I now understand him a lot more. And I, I think sometimes for us it's important when we feel anger or resentment or hurt towards someone that we can take a step back from that situation and, and perhaps try to understand why what's happened has happened. You know... The, the prayer that Jesus gave his disciples when he was teaching them to pray he said some pretty important words there. It says, forgive us as we forgive those who trespass against us. That's a, a, a powerful thought. You'll find that in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12 in the Lord's Prayer, that we, we're supposed to forgive others because God has forgiven us. The next thought is that forgiveness opens the grace channel. Resentment clogs it up and shuts off the daily supply of God's grace that we continually need. It's a pastor by the name of Gary Inrig, and he writes this. Forgiveness is ultimately an act of the will, not a stirring of the emotions. 
For a Christ follower, it is a choice to obey God and let it go. This is an inward choice that produces a declaration given, a promise spoken, I forgive you. When I speak these words, I declare that the issue between us is dead and buried. I'm saying that I will not rehearse it, review it, or renew it. When it comes to my mind, I will take it to the Lord and to the foot of the cross, and not you. I love that he, he takes it from being an emotional response to a choice. Now, th- this morning, I, I'm not giving us any kind of insights, and I guess, to how to forgive. I, I'm just more talking about the, the need to forgive. There's plenty of, of great books, you'll be able to find them at Kurong or online, that, that talk about how to do the forgiveness journey. But let me close off this first part by saying this. Father's Day can, can be really hard for some people. And, and I, I want to acknowledge that. I want to acknowledge that, that for some of you, it's not a happy day at all for, for lots of, of, of different reasons. And for some people here, perhaps you never even knew your father. If that's true of you, and again, I don't know everyone's journeys and stories, but I want to tell you that it, forgive him for not being there. It's an important part of being emotionally healthy moving forward. And the second part of the message today is that um, I reckon we need to learn how to celebrate our dad. Celebration is one of the three things we say uh, we, we do is, in, is how we're trying to live out the vision of this church. We connect with God and others. We uh, celebrate uh, the journey and, and contribute along the way. And, and so we connect, we contribute, and we celebrate. And, and, and learning to celebrate uh, the, the great things about our dads in particular today, because that's what we're talking about, but other people's really important. That's how we, we know we're on the road to forgiveness. If in the midst of, of brokenness and dysfunction, we can actually learn to celebrate. I, I'm not talking about ignoring all the bad stuff or pretending it never happened, but, but making a conscious choice to, to focus on the good that's in everybody. Mark Twain once said this, and you've possibly heard it before. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to 21, I was astonished at how much he'd learned in seven years. You know, the the Apostle Paul taught us that honouring our parents, our mother and father, is an incredibly important thing to do. He he, uh, talks about it in Ephesians 6, 2 to 3. He says, honour your mother mother and father, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Honouring our parents, celebrating them in some way, understanding who they are is an important part of, of living this life here because we're told that it may go well with us on this earth, that we may, may live a long life if we learn what it is to honour our father and our, our mother. And so we celebrate by looking and remembering the good. You know, it took me a long time to, to recognise some of the, the good things about my dad. My dad uh, was uh, so capable in so many areas. I remember spending hours in the garage with him as he uh, rebuilt a car engine. He was not a mechanic, but he, he just seemed to know a lot about cars, and we completely rebuilt this engine, and 
And Dad was a great fisherman. I remember going out on, on the boat with, with Dad and uh, we, the boat was just so full of car wire and we came back and we had a smokehouse and, and all the community came round and had a big feed of fish. It was just, it was incredible. My, my dad uh, always gave the underdog uh, a go. People that, that others had written off, Dad would, would believe in and give them a second chance. When I was playing uh, representative cricket, Dad never missed a match. He was always there when, when I was uh, playing. He was one of the most generous men that, that I ever knew. You see, I missed all of those incredible things, and there's so much more, for so long because I was so focused on all the things he got wrong. And, and for me, in my journey of, of being free from the anger and resentment and hurt that I used to carry around, was learning that, that amongst all the bad, there was actually some incredible good in my dad. I want to be... The, the, the kind of, of father to my kids that I know my dad probably desperately wanted to be to us, but, but just couldn't. And the second part uh, this morning, and just in, in finishing, is I think we celebrate our dads by passing on their legacy. Now, I, I, I want to get interactive for, for a little moment, and this might work or it might not, depending on if people are prepared to talk, but I... I my question to you this morning is, what is something that, that your father taught you or showed you, maybe you learnt by looking at his life? What, what is something that, almost that legacy thing that he, he's left you that, that speaks, that, that can encourage all of us? When I visited my, uh, my birth father's graveside for the first time, there, there's a verse from James that's on it, you know, don't just be hearers of the word and so deceive yourself, be doers of the word. And, and that spoke to me. It was a legacy that, that my dad had, had left me. It wasn't necessarily in, intentionally there for me, but when I read that, I, I determined that, that I was going to live that kind of life. I wasn't just going to listen to the word of God. I wasn't just going to let it go in one ear, but I was actually going to do the things that, that God's word said. So is anyone brave this morning want to share something with us? That, thank you, Janine. You always need one to kick it off. If I wanted to go somewhere, my father would say, could you take Jesus with you? Very good. Could you take Jesus with you? Anyone else got something they want to share with? Yeah. Running down the back. I just want to say that um, my father passed away six years ago today. Oh, wow. He went on Father's Day. Um, but he was a, a wonderful father and a very patient father. And he used to say people who lose their tempers, we, um, sorry, he would say to me, only a fool loses their temper. And that always stuck with me. Great. Great thought. Anyone else this morning? Yeah. Awesome. Um, my dad passed away about four years ago. But one thing that I learnt from him was how to make a cup of tea. <laughs> he always had very strict standards on making a cup of tea. And he was also a doer. In his church, a couple of years ago, they made a thing where they would serve people cups of tea. And after the service finished, he would always be the first one out there and um, making a cup of tea and serving everybody. Great. Thank you. It's important to make a good cup of tea. Peter. Um, my father taught me how to sing. Oh, you had a sing? Yeah. Very good. And my mother um, was supposed to die of pneumonia, 
and my father would give up work for two years and nurse the back to health and, and she lived longer than him. What a great man, that's awesome. Yeah, Max, this is fun. Yeah, my dad um, brought us to this church when I was 10 and um, he also stepped out in faith when he was 55 and became, oh, not a Christian, but he went overseas as a minister and a missionary. And I guess he was the guy that uh, started me on my road and he took me to uh, jail to sing when I was about 10. So the family used to sing in jail, so I guess we carried on with helping that type of person. That's so good, Max. Thank you. When else this morning? My dad's 83 and very much alive. Um, but it's taught me probably two very major things. One is generosity, um, something that he still exercises um, with all of us and the family, and I know that that's been appreciated by so many. And the other great thing is the power of positive thinking. Um, he, amongst being a Christian, one of the things he has said is keep your eye upon the donut and not upon the hole. That's a good one. You hear that? Keep your eye on the donut, not on the hole. We actually had a donut shop just down the road from our school. I walked past it every day on the way to school, and for 20 cents I could buy a bag full of donut holes. So good. Anyone else this morning? Oh, yay! Well, my dad wasn't really there for me when I was little because he was like an alcoholic and everything. But he did teach me how to work at a furniture removal business. So. Right. That's good. I'm so glad you've got something there. Good girl, thank you. Anyone else this morning? I don't want to rush past the introvert who's busy building up the courage to say something. <laughs> All the extroverts have had their shot. Okay, why don't the worship team come and join me as, as we wind this up this morning? You know, I want to I wanna encourage you as, as much as I can to, to choose to see the good. You know, it's, it's really easy to, to see the, the negative stuff, to see the, the brokenness and the dysfunction and, and the issues that are there. But it actually sometimes takes a choice to look for the good stuff. And I, I reckon if we look long enough, we'll find it. And I remember I was chatting with a psychologist at one point about my relationship with Dad, and, and I told, like I've told you, the, the stuff that I've learned about how good he, he was, and, and the response was, you've actually landed in a really healthy place with all of that. And, and I stopped the whole, you know what, that's exactly right. I could speak for days on all the stuff he did wrong, but I, I choose to, to look at the stuff that, that my dad got right, and the stuff that, that he taught me, and the... the you know, he, he has shaped my fathering in some ways, some in good and some in bad. And, but, but I am, am, am so thankful for so much about that man. And it's taken me, church, a long time to get to this place. So I don't want to kind of assume you're going to have it all right uh, for next week. But if, if this is an, an issue for you, or maybe it's not your dad, maybe, you know, for you, there's someone else in your world that you're holding anger or resentment towards, I want to encourage you. To, to begin a journey of forgiveness. And it can take a long time. And, and, and for years and years, even after I'd said 
to dad and had that conversation, look, I forgive you for everything that, that happened in my childhood. I still had to come back to that place every so often and make a conscious choice. Now I'm, I'm, I'm reliving that moment. I choose to forgive you again. And, and I think that there, there's some powerful keys for us when we can learn to celebrate in the midst of, of, of the brokenness and dysfunction. Can I pray for you? I'd like to do that. God, I, I know that in this room there is a mix of of journey with our fathers. God, for some of us, may never have known our father. For others, briefly, there may be hurt and pain. We may have had the greatest father on the planet, and, and for that, I'm so thankful for those people. God, if we're holding anger or resentment, hurt upon our lives, not just with our fathers, but with anyone, God, will you reveal that to us this morning? Will you show us the, the, the things that we're holding on to, God, that we wouldn't end up like Absalom and making bad choices that lead to our destruction, but, but Lord God, we could learn to forgive because you first forgave us. Thank you that you are Abba, our daddy. You do love us. God, I pray that we continue to get a revelation of who you are, of your love for us. We thank you that you sent your son to die for us because you loved us that much. God, for those that are hurting today, we pray your peace and your comfort. Holy Spirit, minister the hearts and minds of, of people this morning that are struggling right now. We thank you that you're at work in our lives. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. Cofcpenrith.org.